the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky. And stay by my cradle till morning is night. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let me welcome you to Hal Brady Ministries and wish you great joy in this glorious season. I'm so delighted you've decided to join us tonight, and I hope that this message and music will be a special blessing to you at Christmas. Would you hear now, please, the reading of God's Word? It comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. In those days, a decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went in to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and he was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. 
In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for a moment of prayer? O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Silently they sit, the men who fire the rockets, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. The landscape erupts. A dull tube pauses, then streaks into the sky, 30,000 feet, 40,000, 50,000. The mark of the age in which we live. As you know, the frontiers of our world have rapidly changed. They've changed from earth to space. They've changed from manual to computer, from horsepower to nuclear power. Some amazing scientific advances have led to an era of unparalleled scientific wonders. Well, I read recently that a certain motor company had just come out with a new electric car. It will carry a family of eight clear across the United States on $3 worth of power. The problem is the extension cord that goes with it. As I said, we're living in an age of computers, microwaves, rockets, robots, space shuttles, and we are told that the future holds even more miraculous things. But into the midst of this fast-moving, pace-setting, scientific-discovering world of ours comes Christmas. Why should we pause when all eyes are focused on the present and the future and look back some 2,000 years into the past? Why should we recall some smelly old stable in an out-of-the-way place called Bethlehem? And why should our hearts thrill again as we hear the words, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In other words, why do we need Christmas to come? I think we can find the answer to this, and why do we need Christmas to come, in our scripture lesson. So listen again to this scripture. Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. We need Christmas to come because we need to hear and heed the good news of Jesus Christ. First of all, the good news is that we don't have to be afraid. What a needed word for us to hear. The message was surprising, shocking, and it was strange that first night. The shepherds were terrified. They were jolted to their feet. They were worried about their sheep who were running off. They thought they would never see them again. Suddenly the dark became day, and they needed to hear again the words, Don't be afraid. And isn't that a word we need to hear in our world today? Don't be afraid. A well-known minister was asked to give a series of lectures on a college campus. In preparation, he wanted to know what the students were thinking and what they were feeling. 
So he had a questionnaire developed and he sent it out to all the students on the campus. He was surprised to find out that their greatest problem was a sense of fear. They feared rejection. They feared loving. They feared the future. They feared everything. And some of them were so concerned they would get involved in sex and drugs and violence and even suicide. And I'll tell you, if you just visit a nursing home and talk to some of the elderly, you'll find out that they have a lot of fears too. These are legitimate fears. Fear is something that everybody deals with. I remember a few years ago when I was pastor at the Clayton First Methodist Church in Clayton, Georgia, I went with the youth out on the ski slope in Sky Valley. And I'll tell you, that was an experience. We got out on the intermediate slope. I fell 11 times at the same place. That ski slope did like this. It went down, it came right back up on a little mound, and then it took off downhill on this long ramp that led to home. Well, as I told you, I fell 11 times. But finally, the 12th time, I made it. But I want to tell you, when I got over that mound and was heading down that hill, I was going so fast, I knew that if I fell off, I'd break my leg. So in petrifying fear, I hung on for dear life until I got to the bottom. And when I got to the bottom, I simply tipped my hat back up that slope, and I said, see ya. And that ended my career as a skier. No question about that. But here again, the good news of Christmas. Don't be afraid, for there in that Bethlehem manger lies the certainty of God's love and God's presence, of God's grace and God's forgiveness, of God's hope and God's eternal security. The coming of Christ means that we don't have to be afraid of anything ever again. The Apostle Paul asked the question, Can anything ever separate us from the love of Christ? Can tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword? And then he answered his own question. He said, no, nothing. Not anything can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He answered his very own question. So it takes courage to overcome fear. Where does that courage come from? I know of only one place. It's rooted in faith there in the Bethlehem manger. You know, someone put it this way, and this is beautiful. Fear knocked at the door. Faith answered, and no one was home. Let me say that again. Fear knocked at the door. Faith answered, and no one was home. And so the professor said, there we all were, gathered around the manger scene on Christmas Eve. We were putting the angels, the shepherds, the wise men around the Christ child. And then he said, the Christ child, a small center of sanity in a large and crazy world. Isn't that beautiful? A small center of sanity in a large and crazy world. Jesus Christ was and is God's answer to the world's fearfulness. We fear because we tend to forget about him. So the first good news of Christmas is don't be afraid. And then secondly, the good news is that no one is left out. There was a marvelous worship service going on in a large church one Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And there were children filling up the chancel area of the church. They were crowded. And the last thing the minister says was, and God loves you and you and you and you. And he, she just pointed generally. Finally, one little girl who had been behind the baptismal font simply lifted her 
voice and said, what about me? What about me? That little girl was speaking for a category of people that we can't imagine. People who feel left out, the oppressed, the unnoticed, people who are lonely. She was speaking for all kinds of people. I love the fact that the angel's message first came to the shepherds. These were the ordinary people. They were participating in an ordinary vocation. They represent you and me, and they represent everybody else as well. They represent all of us. So I'm grateful for the shepherds in that experience. Now, all of us are included in this grace-filled love of God. Beloved, we cannot stop God loving us no matter what we do. Why? Because God's love is based on His character, not on our conduct. Because nobody is left out at Christmas, that has implications for how we live. The blessedness of loving and giving comes alive to us in a special way at Christmas. And that is because God reinvested Himself in humankind at Christmas. And because God reinvested Himself in humankind, we can reinvest ourselves in each other. So let me ask you, what can we do in a practical way to reinvest ourselves in others at Christmas? We can give our time. Suppose we visit somebody who we know needs a visit from us. Or suppose we call somebody who needs a telephone call from us. Or suppose we participated in some kind of ministry we need to be participating in. We can give our time. And then we can share our love with other people. Not long ago, my wife and I went to a football game. It was very crowded, 72,000 people to be exact. There was a lot of excitement. Three rows down from us, there were three young adults. They stood all during the game. In other words, they never sat down. And they would stand up and just keep standing and standing and standing. All the people behind them had to stand if they wanted to see. I'm talking about the whole game. But finally, this one lady who was sitting directly behind these three young adults, she got perturbed and she sent for the authorities. The authorities came in, even a state patrolman came in and tried to work with them. But here was the situation. Three young people who were representing their rights to stand. One woman who couldn't see was representing her right to see and to sit down. Isn't that a shame? Rights prevailed over the sharing of love. We can share our love. And then we can offer intentional forgiveness. I'm thinking about a committee I know that was dealing with a young man who had gone from bad to worse. He had gotten in with the wrong crowd. He had embarrassed his parents and his employer. And so they were trying to figure out what to do about his future. And the committee was meeting, and one kind-hearted soul said, I think that young man needs a clean slate, and we need to be large enough to give him one. Long story short, they gave the man a clean slate, and he's now redeemed. And then we can offer friendship. We can offer friendship. There's a book called The Preacher and the Presidents. In that book, the author described Billy Graham's relationship to the maligned Lyndon Johnson when he was president of the United States. And the author said Billy Graham gave him something that he wanted and craved. He gave him love without strings. We can offer our friendship to other people. Beloved, the good news is that nobody is left out. And then thirdly, 
The good news is that the Savior is born. I read about a woman who got so caught up in the rush of Christmas that she forgot to get any Christmas cards. And so at the last minute, she ran out to get Christmas cards. And she rushed around. She got the cards. She was proud of the card. It had a picture of the nativity and a greeting on the inside. She wrote a note. She rushed to the mailbox. She mailed them. And then she came back and was sitting down and relaxing in her den. She had bought 50 cards and she had mailed out 49. She was sitting there with one of them looking at the one that was left. And then horrifyingly she noticed at the bottom she hadn't seen the words, a gift is on the way. She suddenly realized that 49 people, 49 of her friends, were going to be expecting a gift that would never arrive. Well, the blessedness of Christmas is that God's love, the gift of God's love in Christ, has arrived. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That gift has arrived. So where is the merry and merry Christmas? Where is the joy and joy to the world? Where is the happy and happy holidays? The blessed joy, the soaring gladness, is that God has kept his promise of sending the gift in his son to us and for us. And then I remember Rick Warren. He said that there are some things about that gift that we should be aware of. And he gave us three thoughts about it. He said, first, it's the most expensive gift we'll ever receive. Jesus Christ paid for it with his life. He said, secondly, it's the only gift we'll ever receive that will last. All the rest of the gifts will go. This one will last. And then thirdly, he said, it's an extremely practical gift. Are we interested in it? We'll use it every day of our lives. Are we interested? Sure we are. Or we wouldn't have tuned in to this broadcast tonight. Sure we're interested. And then fourthly, the good news is that we don't have to stay the way we are. Let me give you an example of this. As a child, we tried on different personality coats. In other words, we tried various methods to get our needs met. At one moment, we might be a screaming meanie. The next moment, we were shy and reserved. The next moment, we were cute. The next moment, we might be a wise guy. We might be this, that, and the other. And then one day, we suddenly discovered that the coat got stuck. And we're still wearing the coat. We may be 15, we may be 30, we may be 50, we may be 70 but we're still wearing the coat. And the coat may make us a cynic. It may make us unconcerned. We may be a complainer. We may be all kinds of things. We'd like to get the coat off, but we can't do it. We're stuck because the zipper got stuck and we have to keep this personality coat and we still have it since childhood. But then comes Christmas, this glorious moment when God keeps his promise, and his son comes among us. And when the son gets into our lives, God comes to us and says, let me tell you something, I'd like to help you take that coat off. And we say, I'm sorry, we can't because the zipper's stuck. And he said, but I'd like to unzip that zipper for you. And that's exactly what he does at Christmas. The writer of the gospel says, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become the children of God. I'm sure some of you have heard the name Ellis McDougall. For years, Ellis McDougall was the, was the head of the Georgia prison system. Before the Supreme Court decision on capital punishment, 
Ellis McDougall was the one man in Georgia that could put people to death without the law enforcement agencies coming after him. He said he had part in the execution of six men. One of them was from Georgia. He said he would never forget the day he went to the jail to get this man to take him to the electric chair. He said they pulled him out of the jail. They handcuffed him so he couldn't fight. They escorted him down to the jail cell. They strapped him down, straps around his arms, legs, and chest. They asked him if he had anything he wanted to say. He told them off for a few minutes, and then the electrical current was turned on. And when that current hit his body, it was so strong, it popped every button off of his shirt. In a little while, they turned the juice off, and there was a dead man in the chair. They went over a couple of them to unfasten the straps around his chest, arms, and legs. And when they did, they noticed that where the buttons had come off, there was a tattoo on his chest. And underneath the tattoo were these words, born to lose, not a chance. Because God kept his promise at Christmas. God sent his son into the world. Nobody's born to lose. All of us are born to win through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we pause and look back at a little stable in Bethlehem. We remember the angels, the star, the shepherds, Mary, Joseph, and the little Christ child. And especially do we remember the little Christ child. Christmas is a time we need to hear and heed again the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful for this Christmas season. We're thankful, O oh God, that you loved us enough to send your Son. And we ask, O oh God, that you'd help us to be open to his coming and to receive him again and again and again. We thank you, O oh God, for your love and your grace your power, your strength, and we pray that you'd help us to receive you again and to be loving instruments of yours to others. It's all in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining us, and I trust that you'll have a Merry Christmas, a blessed Christ-centered Christmas. Good night. But when you lead me through 
But you never said it would be easy You only said I'll never go alone So when the whole world turns against me and I'm all by myself and I can't hear you answer my cries for help I'll remember the suffering that your love put you through and I will walk through the darkness if you want me to When I cross over Jordan, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna shout. I'm gonna look into your eyes and see you never let me down. So take me on the pathway that leads me home to you. And I will walk through the valley if you want me to. Yes, I will walk through the valley if you want me to.